Austin Found is sponsored by the LBJ Presidential Library on the UT campus. As you think about presidential politics these days, learn about our 36th president, Lyndon Johnson, and his wife, Lady Bird Johnson. Go to lbjlibrary.org. Literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. I'm J.B. Hager and joined by statesman writer Michael Barnes. Hey there. And this is really fun. This is an interesting episode we're going to dig in today about how Austin has naturally been... A border town. A border town. And North, south, east, west. Yeah, absolutely. Part from immigration, part from geography. But it literally starts with being on the 98th meridian, which That's is right. going to be a great trivia with your friends. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the, the meridian that separates the eastern United States from the western United States. And we're right on it. And to the east, you have the, the wet farmlands, you have the forest. You know, you have a culture that's quite different from the arid west, but we're sitting right on that border. When you're in a border city, what you have is, is exchanges. You have ideas going back and forth. You have sensibilities that are in contrast. So part of us is, is linked practically to the deep south. You go to Bastrop. And you could be in Georgia. You go to Fredericksburg, and you may as well be in an Old West movie. Yeah, and yeah. So you've got really, really stark contrasts that also uh, uh, inform the way our city developed. Farming in the East and ranches. ranches. Once you got West, the ranch. Not only did the terrain change, but what you did exactly. also changed. And your way of looking at the world also. The people around you in, in, in the, the eastern part, there was strong racial tensions that go back to slave days, you know, between African-Americans and Anglo-Americans. Whereas in the West, the tensions are among the Anglos and the indigenous people or the Anglos and the Hispanics. And also, and I'm finding more and more about this uh, recently, the Anglos and the Germans. I just got back from Mason and there was the Hoodoo War right after the Civil War where the Anglos and the German immigrants were killing each other over really? uh, range rights. Oh. Wow. You don't hear about that much. No, the, you the, don't, do you? <laughs> Anglos and Germans fighting in oh, west yeah. of Austin. Yeah. Not very far west of Austin, either. Right. And there was, in the east, there was still a bit of the, the slavery influence, early days. The, uh, and, and, and the post-slavery uh, Jim Crow, uh, one of the last places to have a Klan headquarters uh, was in Bastrop. The last place is in Central Texas. Oh, wow. And the, there are still racial tensions there that go back. For, for many, many decades. Hmm. The racial tensions everywhere. Let's not pin it on Bastrop. But, right. But Bastrop had Spanish roots, and then, in the, and then farther west was the German, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Right? Well, the Spanish roots, I mean, really do go back to New Spain. There's a ford there. The settlement was called Mina. Bastrop is much older than Austin. And as we talk about Austin being a border town, and even up until... <laughs> the last five years mm -hmm. there's been a divide 
east and west. Absolutely. You know, I remember having this conversation years ago when we started to build the boardwalk mm-hmm. that connected east and west underneath I-35. That's right. And I was telling people, like, this is really significant. Yes. And no one would know that better than you, the significance of east and west connecting. Well, it, going back to East Avenue, which was the eastern edge of town, it was a broad avenue. There was a an informal for a long time and then a, a more formal divide between the people of color on the east side and, and the Anglo community on the west. It was permeable. We've used that term before. But it was stark. You know, if you caught a cab downtown at the bus station, Roy's taxis would take you to the east side. But you really knew the minute you stepped off the train or the bus that there was a divide. There's a long history in the segregation of those two sides. We can't get into all of it here, but we can acknowledge. We're going to get into that in the next episode, actually, which will explain how this east-west divide happened. You know, I remember as late as the late 90s, uh, I had a friend who had a a store, you know, the little arts district just off East 5th, just Mm -hmm. east of 35. You couldn't get a pizza delivered there. Right. No, I lived on the east side three times in the 80s. And in the 90s as well. And yes, you couldn't get a pizza delivered. Also, the cops would stop your guests that would be coming to your party and telling them you shouldn't be here. Oh, wow. It's just amazing to me that I was still going on. And of course, Interstate 35 made this Chinese wall. Wasn't that the intention of it? It just. (laughs) No, but that certainly was effective. Yeah. It it made it seem very definite that there were two different worlds. And then there's also sort of a border town north-south when you think about Austin. There there are several ways in which we have a north-south border here. One is obviously the river. You've been here long enough to remember when South Austin was considered a completely different community. It was yuppies in the north and bubba's in the south. (laughs) It was. Right? That was the stereotype. That was the stereotype. And And it even even led to an iconic tug-of-war across across the the, river, which you probably remember. Oh, I do. And I remember some of the people who wrote for our newspaper, uh, Kelso. Kelso. Loved, embrace the Bubba's. The loved stoking the, these these rivalries <laughs> true. That, that were, it, it remains in the, the public imagination that there's this big difference. My mother, who lived here in the 30s and 40s, said she never went south of the river. She didn't even know what was there. Yeah. You know, except to get to San Antonio. That's interesting, because it was always a goal of mine. I grew up in, in northwest Austin, but I mm-hmm. always wanted to live in the 04. Mm-hmm. It was just cool. Yeah. And I finally do now. <laughs> and I do, too. But even for 15 <laughs> years when I lived in Westlake, I would say, I'm south of the river. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, right. I was south of the river. There's a lot about <laughs> Austin's mythic personality that is really indigenous to south of the river Mm -hmm. it's just so so much more open in a way that the rest of the city tries to be austin found is brought to you by the lbj presidential library more info at lbjlibrary.org but there are other ways in which there's a north-south divide um and, and we're on that border and one was that goes way back is the north of here the people who settled in Texas north of here uh, generally were Baptists and Methodists, and south it was Catholics and Lutherans. Hmm. And so when there were social tensions, for instance, during the the temperance uh, years, the actual prohibition, 
the drinking south and the dry north did not get along. And that was embodied in our city. We had German-Americans here who owned breweries and saloons being named and shamed in the paper. And you had really a serious break. And also, at the same time, when you have borders like that, there's exchanges, you Mm -hmm. know. I'm sure a lot of the hooch coming up from the south went pretty far north. So. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting. So most of the, during Prohibition, most of it was still getting made and consumed south, south of the river? Well, a lot of it here was actually west, southwest, okay. um, because it, the, it would have been the cedar choppers again with their stills up in the uh, hollows of the hill country. And they would bring their their hooch down to the city to wow. sell it along with the charcoal briquettes from the cedar that they chopped. Wow. So there was that divided during Prohibition. But then also when you look at Austin, and, and I love this, because it's our division with the rest of the state. Right. And it's, it's really hard to explain to people who've never been to Texas at all, especially mm-hmm. people from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. They think it's all... You know, like Crawford, where Bush Bush's mm-hmm. ranch was, because that's what they saw on television. They come to Austin and they go, "Wait a minute, how does this fit? What happened?" Here? Same thing with Californians. They come here and they go, "Wait, this is like home, right?" <laughs> Some of them do. Now, I'm going to go back. I like that you brought up Crawford because he didn't have that ranch. You know, he didn't grow up on a ranch. Right. He, he bought that when he decided to run president right and (laughs) it's actually quite a beautiful modern building that Mm. was designed by an austin architect but but he wanted to be seen out there cutting down brush and being you know out (laughs) on the range when actually that was they were not ranchers and and you know (laughs) he grew up in and he was a dallas guy right he didn't well houston's houston sorry they a lot of time in houston midland first yeah okay midland and then houston and then dallas but Now they're in Dallas. I yeah, mean, they're yeah. right in the, where they really belong, which is you know, <laughs> right, right. The, the luxury of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Share a little bit about how we're just so different from the rest of the state. And, and I didn't realize until I, I read in your indelible Austin that it was, it was Perry that dis- had a description for Austin. Right. The, Governor Perry. The the blueberry and the tomato soup. Now, he didn't <laughs> coin that. Okay. But he popularized it because he okay. said it on national television. Yeah, yeah. What had happened is he was on a talk show that was being taped at the Long Center, and there were booze. And the the host said, well, what's this about? And he says, well, you know, <laughs> not everybody here likes me. But he joked about it being the blueberry and the tomato soup. But the truth is there are progressive cultural elements in a lot of other parts of the state houston the valley uh now in in dallas fort worth and in west texas the difference is that the progressive elements here are dominant Mm -hmm. and they're proud and loud and loud (laughs) (laughs) no it's 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 quite different from being like a progressive in west texas where you're kind of like oh really you're here i didn't yeah I remember walking on UT campus for the first time in like 1986 and, and just seeing protests. Right. And because I, I was in secluded Northwest Austin, just uh. past the Arboretum, where all was <laughs> safe and glorious. And then I come into Central Austin and I'm like, whoa, people are angry. 
<laughs> and it was fascinating to me. I felt like I was uh, living in the in the sixties in a yeah. way. It was it was enlightening. Well, you know, interestingly, looking back historically, your neighborhood was developed to escape that. It was developed in part because they didn't want to get away from those blueberries. Get away from <laughs> all. Uh, you know, in some cases, it it was white flight. In some mm. cases. It was, I want to get away from seeming lawlessness because protests seemed lawless. So it's clear to see why Austin has, you know, always been kind of a border town. East, west, as you described, the, the religious differences, the ethnic differences, north versus south. All of those things are really interesting. And in a, an upcoming episode, in fact, our next one, is really going to shed some light on the racial divide between East and West and how that happened. And how it was changed, how desegregation came about. Great. Thank you for tuning in to Austin Found. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already to this podcast, wherever you get it. Pass it on to your friends and subscribe to Think Think Texas. Texas. Think Texas is our free weekly digital newsletter about Texas history. And each newsletter has about 25 moving parts and you can sign up where you sign up for newsletters on statesman.com. That is Michael Barnes, and you can reach out to him to comment on this podcast, ask questions, anything at, you like. At M Barnes, B A R N E S, at statesman.com. Or you can hit me up, Jay Hager, H A G E R, at statesman.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks a lot.